Hey, good morning. Welcome to all of you who live in the great state of Florida. You're listening to The Stand Podcast, a podcast where we discuss issues and politics that affect you and I, citizens of Florida at the county level. My name is Chance Jamar, and I'm your host. So don't hit that stop button. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back with you. Good morning. Welcome back to the Stand Podcast. My name is Chance Jammer, and I'll be your host. You're listening to this morning, the Putnam Chronicles Recall, Crescent City. This morning, we're going to talk about recall and its importance. The holders of executive office are not the people's master, but its officers, and the people can appoint them and dismiss them as it pleases. This is John Jacques Rousseau, 1712 to 1778. And James Madison said members of the national legislature should be subject to recall. First draft of the U.S. Constitution. In the state of Florida, according to Florida Statute 100.361, only incorporated cities and charter counties can recall corrupt county officials. This leaves 47 counties without that ability. But in Crescent City, just three average active citizens have chosen to put the recall mechanism into motion. This morning we have with us Charlie Bell, Jim Hammond, and Craig Oates. They have chosen to stand, in this case, against malfeasance going on within their city government. Gentlemen, if you would, please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Hi, my name is Jim Hammond. Uh, I'm a retard, retar- retarded, retarded. <laughs> <laughs> a retired uh, uh, fishing guide, television show host. Uh, now I pretty much fish and mow the yard. And uh, I came to Crescent City about three and a half years ago and immediately saw a problem. And I thought, how can I fix this? I ran into Charlie Bell and he presented a solution. And that's where we're headed. All right. And Charlie? I'll, I'll go next. My name's Charlie Bell. Thank you so much, Chance, for this opportunity and for having us on your podcast. Uh, I, I've been a resident of Crescent City now for a number of years. You know, I own property uh, in, in Crescent City, and uh, I'm not a political person, but I became very aware of what was happening in Crescent City, and I felt that in order for citizens to be heard, this was the right mechanism. And so here we are, you know, with the support of, of the citizens. Craig, how are you, sir? My name is Craig Oates. Um, I ran for mayor in 2020. Um, I'm a Crescent City resident for the last seven and a half years. And um, um, really, Charlie Bell and Jim are the ones that are really, really um, getting things moving in our town in the right direction. So, uh, regarding this particular incident, why was it necessary to begin the recall process on one of your city council officers? Charlie? So, what we're doing right now is we're recalling one of our city commissioners. Her name is Cynthia Burton, 
And the reason why we're doing the recall is, as you correctly mentioned, malfeasance. There, there was a closed meeting that occurred in January of 2021 at City Hall. I was outside this meeting as were a number of other citizens and we were not allowed to attend the meeting in person. The doors were shut, the blinds were closed, and the mayor as well as all four commissioners met at this meeting and and city business was discussed without the proper channels for residents to be able to participate. Did the council uh, give an argument for uh, closing the meeting? Yeah, my understanding is the reason provided was that there was a a fluctuation in the COVID numbers that was not sufficient because if there was an actual increase, why did each commissioner show up to City Hall and and meet in person? rather than what they had been doing before during the majority of the pandemic, which is meet individually at each of their respective locations. And also, if you look at the nature of the meetings, the December meeting was not closed. Residents were allowed to attend. And the meeting immediately after that, the February meeting, residents were also able to attend in person. You and I had talked about this uh, in some length uh, before this podcast this morning, and you had mentioned something about a governor's executive order. Do you care to comment on that? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. There was an executive order that was signed by our great governor back at the beginning of the pandemic, which temporarily allowed municipalities to take advantage of technology communication. So they were able to continue on and have meetings using technology such as Zoom, YouTube, but this ended in November of 2020. It was not lawful for the city commission to do what they did and lock citizens out of attending a meeting in January after the executive order had already expired. So with that not in effect, it seems to be a violation of our Constitution as well as Florida Statute 286.11. Article 1, Section 24, Section B of the Florida Constitution says all meetings of any collegial public body of the executive branch of state government or of any collegial public body of a county, municipality, school district, or special district at which official acts are to be taken or at which public business of such body is to be transacted or discussed shall be open and notice to the public and meetings of the legislature shall be open and notice as provided in Article 3, Section 4E, except with respect to meetings exempted pursuant to this section and specifically closed by the Constitution. Florida Supreme Court has noted in the case Sarasota Citizens for Responsible Government, uh, citing Wood versus Marston, the Sunshine Laws are enacted in the public interest to protect the public from closed-door politics and should be broadly construed to affect this protective purpose. The practice of holding one-on-one private meetings creates an unnecessary and unwarranted behavior barrier excuse me, to the public's ability to attend such meetings and participate in the decision-making process. This is not the first time Crescent City has had issues with the Sunshine Law violation. Do you care to comment about the First Amendment Foundation issuing a desist letter 
in 2021? Sure, I can I can talk a little bit about that. During the earlier part of 2021, there were issues occurring at City Hall around the meetings and the information that was being shared at these meetings specifically. And the information that was being shared was questioned by the public because there were comments made by our city commissioners that made it very suspicious as to the presence of meetings having taken place outside of the sunshine. And so the First Amendment Foundation was contacted. They reviewed the information and they felt that it was necessary to send communication with the city manager at the time, as well as the commissioners, to put them on guard of these violations that they believe were, were worth addressing. You gentlemen, you agree with all of that? Do you have any, any comment uh, regarding that issue? My comment would be, this is Jim Hammond, my comment would be that how dare them to try to take advantage of the citizens of this town by excluding the citizens in any governmental affairs that should be knowledge and privy to the citizens. That where I'm sitting, it looks like they're hiding something. Yeah, I agree. What could they possibly be hiding? What could they possibly say- not be hiding? Yeah, that's true. When I was a prison officer, we would often write reports on incidents throughout the day. And the basic rule of thumb was this, provide within the body of the report who, what, when, and why. So my next question is to paint a picture in the minds of our listeners. Why do you believe the meeting was closed? What was the topic? There was a lot of stuff happening in Crescent City beginning in December 2020 when our police department was abruptly shut down. Prior to the police department being shut down, the citizens received no warning. There was never any public discussion. And and so at the December meeting, which was open, the citizens of Crescent City stormed that meeting. Many of them were not allowed inside. The reason given was was COVID. And so there were majority of the residents outside, not able to give their input, not able to give their support for the police department. And I believe that the, they closed, they closed down your entire police department. They did. They did shut down the entire police department without any prior notice to the citizens. Oh, they place them on administrative leave or, or what, what was the whole, what was the deal? Yeah, there? They, they placed them on administrative leave because the city manager had said that there were some potential issues with the certifications of our officers, which turned out to be a complete lie because in March of 2021, the final FDLE report very clearly stated that there were no changes made to any of the training records of our officers. But of course, by then our police department had already been permanently shut down. Uh, even before and all of the officers had jobs elsewhere, no problem. So you guys had, a, had an issue even restaffing the city for that matter. While researching for this podcast, it came to my attention, according to bestplaces.net, crime in Crescent City, Florida. Crime is ranked on a scale of one, low crime, to 100, high crime. Crescent City violent crime is 36.4%. The U.S. average is 22.7%. Crescent City property crime, 49.8%. The U.S. average is 35.4%. So it would seem that with these type of statistics, abolishing a police department would not be the best decision. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. 
and and I've always held the the view that two police forces are better than one. I think we have some issues going on within the nation as a whole where uh, certain political activist groups are working uh, to uh, defund the police, uh, which has turned out to be a complete disaster in many parts of the country, uh, and uh, uh, take, take a different route. And, and being someone that comes from a, a quasi-law enforcement community, if you will, being a being a prison officer, I understand uh, some of the uh, some of the conversation. I understand what's being said, uh, but to uh, completely do away with the police department, it just doesn't seem wise. And the numbers seem to be showing that it's a very poor decision. So, do you believe that's why this meeting was shut down because it was such a a, a, a fiery topic, and they knew that it was going to cause an uproar within the community? Yeah, I believe that the sheriff's department really wanted the money. Uh, we're one of the least, or at least they touted as one of the least funded, lowest funded sheriff's departments in the state. So for many, many years, they couldn't even get, supposedly couldn't get body cams. But um, we were paying our police officers, and we had five of them, uh, $37,500 a year each. And that's what it called for. Now we pay $199,000 a year per officer times five from the sheriff's department. We had a murder uh, during the middle, maybe a month or two after the sheriff's department took over. We had a murder during the middle of the night at about 1 or 2 a.m. It took the fire department, EMS, about three or four minutes to get to the scene. They couldn't go up and treat the person until the police department got there and secured the scene. And that took 23 or 24 minutes. Which is entirely unacceptable. When you look at the code of uh, conduct for uh, county commissioners put out by the Florida Association of Counties, one of the main ethical responsibilities of county commissioners is to take the whole well-being of all the citizens, not just one uh, particular uh, political group or or uh, tax group of that nature, take them all into uh, account uh, for the well-being and safety of all citizens. So I fully uh, agree with you, uh, as, as the founder of Recall Florida, I understand the mission that you guys are doing and why it's so important to try and restore a certain sense of safety for the citizens of Crescent City. Uh, and I understand uh, why you're moving forward with this uh, recall. And I absolutely agree with everything you just said, Craig, as well, and, and, and Chance. And I just wanted to add that in regards to that, it was actually a triple shooting homicide murder that, that Craig is referencing that took place in July of 2021. And the response times by the Putnam County Sheriff's Office were absolutely unacceptable, given that the contract specifically stated that there was supposed to be a active officer deputy patrolling Crescent City 24 hours of the day. And we know from public record requests that there were no other calls at that time. Yeah, that that time frame is just unacceptable. Mm-hmm. I, you know, being the founder of Recall Florida, I get a lot of emails 
I talked to a lot of people throughout the state and uh, in, in the uh, municipalities and in the counties, there there just seems to be an overall mismanagement of funds, uh, money going to the wrong areas to support uh, uh, issues that uh, may, be, may be pet issues from special interest groups that have the most influence on the county commissioners and the, and the city councils. So uh, you guys are not uh, alone in this struggle. It's going on all over the place, and that's one of the reasons I've been pushing so far. And I really appreciate everything that Recall Florida has done. I know from my perspective, I believe it's very important for every resident in Florida, regardless of where they live, to be able to have the right to recall at the at the constitutional level with, with county commissioners, not just for municipalities like Crescent City, so you guys, you guys have begun the recall process. Can you can you tell us a little bit about where you're at in this process? I have the statute pulled up here, and one of the uh, one of the first requirement is uh, requisite signatures. Well, we've been able to obtain uh, more signatures on paper than we needed. Uh, our effort to obtain these signatures was welcomed by just about everyone we contacted. We even had people seeking us out, asking to sign the petition. And currently the petition or the signatures are being reviewed by the supervisor of elections. Um, I, I earlier spoke on the, that we anticipate, or we were told that by the end of the week that we should have the results. But really and truly, this is the uh, holiday season. So if it's more than that, then that's probably where we're gonna be as far as time frame. But uh, once that happens, then uh, I believe that uh, Cynthia Burton will have an opportunity to step down if she likes or to continue a battle against this. Which I don't think is going to work well for you. You said you had a lot of signature, which is an important, which is an important part of the recall process because when it goes uh, for when the signatures go for review, uh, sometimes many of them can be rejected because the recall petition was not filled out properly. So if you uh, go beyond the signature requirement for your area with uh, extra signatures, it provides that buffer and kind of helps the recall uh, process move forward. Uh, have you been notified of any uh, signatures that have been uh, uh, rejected? No, we have not. And when we sat with the supervisor of elections the day we turned these signatures in, something that, that he mentioned was that signatures, even though it might be from say you, it might be your signature, it might not match what the supervisor elections has on file. Uh, and they try to critique it the best they can to uh, determine whether it is a real signature or not. But the, the supervisor elections did mention that there's a possibility that some of these, even though you signed it, they might be rejected because the signatures don't match. But that was the reason mm. that we have more than we needed. And so we feel pretty confident that our efforts to obtain these signatures will fly and that we will get the go ahead on the next step. I'm glad that you mentioned that because one of the things that we've talked about doing is uh, once uh, the Recall Florida bill makes it through the House and Senate, uh, it, it will go on the ballot for the next election. 
And one of the things that I wanted to do uh, with the group is uh, get some members of the group together and deconstruct Florida Statute 100.361 into a manual, if you will. And that's one of the things that we could put uh, down in the uh, in the signature section uh, for for those that that will wish to recall in the future something for them to to be aware of and to to talk with the citizens of their of their area. Uh, before that, before that process gets in motion. So I appreciate you saying that and giving giving us that uh, giving us that news. Well, one other thing that was brought to to my attention that that hit home with me was that the supervisor of election said that over time a person's signature changes, and I didn't really think about uh, that that's too true. much until I thought about the last time that I bought a house. And from mm. the time that I started signing my name on this lengthy process of what seemed like hundreds of signatures, I know it wasn't that many, until the time that I finished was if I would have taken my very first signature and compared it to my last one, they might not have even been close. And the supervisor elections said it would be great if everybody that votes in this state would on a yearly basis resubmit a signature as as your signature changes your your hand changes your everything that the supervisor of elections will have a current signature on file i i think that's a great idea charlie one of the things you mentioned i think it was you uh that the uh, council councilwoman would have a chance to uh, defend her the the accusations. That's I just want to say to the listeners out there that's section three of uh, the Florida statute recall petition and defense upon receipt of a written determination that the requisite number of signatures have been attained. The clerk shall at once serve upon the person sought to be recalled a certified copy of the petition. Within five days after service, the person sought to be recalled may file with the clerk a defensive statement of not more than 200 words. Or, of course, as you mentioned, they can step down. Yes, that's that's my understanding is that is one of one of the options for her is she can choose not to go ahead and step down and she can put forth a rebuttal no more than 200 words. And if she does choose to do that, then her rebuttal will also be on the next signing. Has she made any public statements regarding this uh, recall? Not that we're aware of. All right, gentlemen, we're going to wrap this up. If you have anything that you'd like to say, a closing statement or anything of that nature, uh, please uh, take a moment and uh, do that, and and we'll close this thing out. Well, I'd like to say one thing, that recalling someone that is already elected so far, this is the first time I've ever been involved with this. Uh, I, as Charlie mentioned earlier, am not a political person. I vote, but getting involved is, is not something to where I get out there and campaign or something like that. Uh, be careful. Do your, do your due diligence on who you vote for. Don't let somebody tell you they're going to do one thing and then get in office and do another, check them out. Because once they get in office, it's not impossible to get them out, but it's a big effort. So don't don't end up where we are with an official that we really don't want in office as a group of citizens anymore. If we would have done our due diligence on this person before they were elected, 
we might not be in this situation right now. One of the things I might like to add to that in this county, in Santa Rosa County, my wife uh, and some of the older women uh, within the community did exactly that. When the process started for elections, they invited every one of the candidates to uh, an open forum. I think they did it at the Village Inn over breakfast, and they went through a series of questions. They talked about the questions that they wanted to ask when they were forming the uh, the questions when they had the candidates before them. They asked them all the same questions and gave them an opportunity to answer that as they would, uh, to answer it honestly, because uh, when you have a candidate sitting in front of you, and you can look them in the eye, you can listen to their tone of voice and listen to how they answer a question, whether they're uh, trying to uh, turn away from it or get around of it. Yeah, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, if I asked you a direct question and you don't answer, give me a direct answer, you're off my list. I mean, I can't answer for anybody else, but if you're if you're trying to beat around the bush and not answer the question, you're not a person of principle. And that's what we need in our counties and in our state. We need people of principle that are not willing to back down uh, on on the issues and and whatever their answer is, let it be that. Let the people uh, make a decision based on your decision. They're either going to stand with you or they're going to stand against you. But that that is brutal blood red honesty and that's that's what i want from my candidates that are running for city council that are running for the board of county commissioners that are running for house of representatives the senate the governor let's stop the bs give me the truth tell me what you think about it and let me make the decision stop acting like i'm not intelligent enough to make a decision and listen to the things that you're offering stop that because you're insulting me and i don't like to be insulted And this is Craig Oates. I'm going to let Charlie go last for sure uh, because he's done so much work on this project. And uh, we appreciate Recall Florida uh, for everything that you guys are doing to care about our small town enough to put forth the extra effort. You don't have to be doing this, but you guys are, and you're doing a lot of legwork as well. So we need politicians that are more like these two right here because we need politicians that care about the people so that they make decisions based on the effects that their that their votes going to lead to the effects uh, on the citizens that their vote causes, and they have to be aware of that. And I don't think that there's any awareness at all. I think that it's just willy nilly do what you want to do as a group, and you know they seem to be leading other commissioners. The bad ones lead the 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 not so bad ones, you know. So it's just one, just like a domino effect in, in some cases. So we need more commissioners, and we need more politicians that really care about the people. I appreciate that. Charlie? Yeah, I absolutely agree with what everybody has said. And I, I want to take this opportunity again to to thank you, Chance, to thank Recall Florida and thank, of course, Jim and, and Craig. You know, we're we're all doing this as a community. We're not doing this as individuals. And the support that we have received thus far in going out and collecting these petitions, it's just been phenomenal. So I really do want to thank everybody in Crescent City who is fed up with closed meetings, private meetings, and is now more than willing to step up and do something about this. And in regards to what Jim and Craig were saying, and and yourself, it's really important for residents when they have a candidate running for office to do their due diligence. And like you said, any opportunities 
for discussion where you can go and ask a question. Residents should definitely take up that opportunity in order to be able to interact with the candidate, look at them, how they're answering, and most importantly, verify that answer. When somebody gives you an answer, does it make sense? Does it seem to add up with what their profile is? We live in a world where technology is just so intertwined with everything that we do. So it's not difficult to go on social media and and see if there's anything that contradicts what this person is is telling you. And if there is, that should be a flag right away for anybody and either to ask more questions or, like you said, if they're not giving you a uh, an, an answer that lines up, just rule that candidate right out and, and move on. One of the things that some of our uh, citizens even did, they even went so far as to do background checks, which I think right. is a phenomenal idea because there's a lot of a uh, lot of uh, skeletons hidden in the closet, and uh, we got to dig them out with uh, pickaxes and shovels if we have to, because the ultimately the individuals, uh, Jim, as you said, once they get in office, it's uh, extremely hard to try and extract them from office. And, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I most appreciate about the citizens of Crescent City and, and you three guys is, you know, and I've said this uh, numerous times, we the people is a term of ownership, and it extends before the ballot box and it extends beyond the ballot box. This is our state, this is our county, and this is our nation. So it's it, it, we got to take responsibility for it. It's like owning a car and changing the oil and changing the air filter and putting some new tires on it. We got to take care of it. We got to pay attention. We can't be lazy and sit home on the couch. I understand the average blue collar worker works extremely hard every day, even harder in this current economy to try and take care of their families. But we have to pay attention to those that we have put in the seats of power or before you know it, we're going to have tyrants ruling over us and we're not going to have any say at all. Absolutely. All right, gentlemen, it was glad to have uh, all of you on the Stand podcast. Uh, For those of you that are listening out there, uh, I hope you have a great day. I'm glad I'm so glad that this cold spell is over. I about froze to death up here. I uh, ended up having a busted pipe out on my uh, porch. So I had water going everywhere. Uh, and uh, an older lady that my wife watches over, she had the same thing. So it's been utter chaos around here for three or four days. I hope that that is not your story. I hope that you've been warm uh, and that you had a great Christmas uh and uh stay tuned for the next stand podcast thanks for joining us